What's up, JavaScript and TypeScript fans? This is Zach, and you're listening to the Dino Developer Show. With your JavaScript and or TypeScript skills, you can write server-side code in Dino, a fast and secure JavaScript and TypeScript runtime. On this show, I talk about going from a novice in server-side code and Dino to a productive and secure backend developer. So listen in as we demystify server-side programming and secure your confidence with Dino. All right, on this week's episode, I'll be covering a little bit of a recap on what is Oak, just in case you need a refresher on that, and then diving into how to structure your Oak application. I think this episode will be particularly useful for those that are coming over from something like front end, because with being in, being new to backend development, you're less likely to know how to structure your application. Cool. With that said, uh, let's do a quick recap of Oak, just in case you need it. Oak is a HTTP framework that does come with a router and works with Dino, Dino Deploy, and even later versions of Node. And to be clear, that would be Node 16.5 and later. Keep in mind, though, Oak is designed with Dino in mind. A... Uh, framework like Oak is going to make it easier to do routes for your application and handle, you know, your middleware, which again, we covered in past episodes, what is middleware? Uh, Just in case you need a quick refresher, what middleware are the functions that work with uh, the request that came in and the response that you're going to be sending out? Now, this framework is inspired by the Oak or Koa, excuse me, framework from Node. So if you're familiar with that, then you're good to go. Also, Koa is close to Express, which is nice for those uh, that are coming over from Node. Uh, I know a lot of people use Express. That was definitely the most popular framework for Node. So lastly, before I jump into the meat of this stuff here, um, Oak is definitely Dino's most popular HTTP framework right now. So yes, you will find more information on this and resources in comparison to other frameworks like Opine, ABC, Pogo, etc. All right, now we got that recap out of the way. Let's discuss how you're going to structure your application with Oak. First off, you're going to need a app or a server file. This is like an entry point or uh, for the people that are coming over from the front end world, looking at server side stuff. It's like your app.js file in let's say a React app. And I just chose React because it's still the most popular framework. This is the file that you mentioned in your run command, you know, like Dino run dash dash allow dash net let's call it app.js so it's going to look at app.js now next you're probably familiar with or have heard of mvc especially if you're an experienced developer you've definitely heard of this which stands for model view controller just in case you have not or need a refresher your files in the model folder hold code that is dealing with data. So if you have a connection to something like, let's say MongoDB, 
then this is where you deal with the connection to that particular collection of data. And by collection, I mean like maybe you have a user's collection or a products or uh, projects, depending on the app, you know, you can have whatever type of collection, right? If you're not familiar with MongoDB, don't sweat it. In the future, I'll have an episode specifically about how to connect MongoDB with Dino or Dino to MongoDB, uh, vice versa there. And all you have to know right now really is that models basically mean data. All right, so next are the views, which is pretty self-explanatory, but just in case, I'll say that if you are doing some server-side rendering, SSR pages or content, whatever, then this is the folder that holds those things. So your .ejs files or other templating files or maybe you're doing some, I think, yes, Dino supports JSX uh, server-side rendering, then you'll probably want that there in that folder. Lastly, of the minimal MVC structure, there are the controllers, okay? But these are definitely not the least important. So now if you have a smaller application, application, you might not find having separate files for your controller necessary, but once your app starts to grow in size, then you'll probably want a good way to organize and manage the logic that the router's routes hold. This logic that I'm mentioning or referring to is saying when to call different models. Again, reminder, that's the things that are, that's the code that is dealing with data and then also your views. If you're not familiar with this stuff, this might deserve a quick walkthrough. Okay. So I'll do that for you and we'll keep it simple with the example by making it a to-do app. And because you're listening instead of reading it, we'll just keep it simple. First, you have a router instance from Oak you've imported and you've made a const and then you did like new router, right? You started to use it and you create a few routes. You may have a git route to get the data off of the uh, to-dos needed done. This would also pull the views to actually display that data on the client side uh, whenever it's sent over. Next, you have a post route that would say how to add new to-do items. And then again, we're gonna keep this simple. Uh, so we'll only do one more, which is a delete route to delete an item. So just to cover that again real quick, you have a git, post, and delete, okay? The code would look something like router.git, and then within those parentheses, you have two things that you're gonna pass in. That first one is going to be a string that's just the path, okay? So we're just gonna call it, we're gonna make it simple, forward slash get to do's, okay? That second thing that you're passing in is all of that logic, okay? That's all of where your most of your code is gonna be to say, you know, when you're gonna call those models when you need them and those views, etc. The post and delete would just do dot and then that path that, uh, that you know, I was mentioning the path with the logic passed in. Now, 
what I'm trying to get at with all of this is that the logic can be several lines. Like you can imagine if you've not done this before, if you've done this before, you would know that it can be several lines long. Um, and you probably want to put that in a separate folder, all of that logic that you're passing in. Okay. And that would be a controller, right? And some separate file located logically in the controllers folder. All right. Since we've covered where most of the important stuff that you deal with lives, let's hit on some of the oddities or miscellaneous categories. Okay. First on my list is your uh, utils folder, which stands for utilities, but it's typically seen as utils for short. This one is actually somewhat controversial. Um, some developers really have a very strong opinion on this, understandably so. So if you have one, it does, I mean, it basically starts to beg the question of like how you're structuring your code and like, is what you're doing being done in the best way? So if you have one, it's okay, but you might want to later on consider, uh, refactoring. So, uh, just a heads up, but uh, let's just say you have a function that you reuse regularly, um, throughout your application, and it doesn't fit into the other categories that we previously mentioned, then you might want to consider putting it into this, uh, or creating a utils folder and putting it inside that, um, thinking off the top of my head, something like using JSON web tokens that you created yourself instead of like bringing in uh, a common already pre-made thing like D, I think it's DJWT module. That might warrant something like this, but you might disagree. So anyway, you'd put it in this folder and then call from that. Just something to keep in mind though, again, you might want to think through your code's flow and organization if you're utilizing utils folder. Personally, I don't see it as a huge deal, but it is something to sparingly use if you're using it at all. All right, next is your public folder. If you're doing something like you know, a web app, you know, a basic web app, then you're probably going to have a public folder. It's otherwise known as a static folder. Okay. And if you don't know what it is, it just basically holds the files that you would, um, send to the client side. It, you know, that would include obviously things like your HTML, CSS, client side, JavaScript images, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Simple stuff there. Now, the last one I'm going to mention for this episode is your .env file, which does mean that you might also want something like a .getignore file. A .env file is a simple file, to be completely honest. If you have constants, I was going to say constraints, but I mean constants that uh, will not change between the different environments, then you should put those constants in this file. Now, let's say you are 
um, using something like API keys. Okay, this is going to be a really good example of when you probably want a .env file. Um, the reason being is you don't want people seeing those e API keys, right? Right. You push it up to GitHub, then that's public, right? As long as it's open source and you close it uh, or make it private, then people can go see that. Well, that's when in comes the .getignore file, which is another text file that does exactly what you probably think it does, or I hope you have guessed it, is uh, ignore things from being committed up to um, GitHub. So to sum that one up, type in what you want to ignore and cool. Now people won't see that valuable API key, right? In your uh, .env file. Nice. If you've programmed for a uh, server-side application before, this probably didn't sound too different from what you've done in the past, to be completely honest. If you're coming over from something like front end, this might have been different for you a little bit, okay? But hopefully relatively straightforward as long as I did a good job in explaining this. <laughs> so um, there are more things that you can have inside of your application, honestly. However, this will get you up and moving and structuring your application in a much more manageable fashion. That concludes this episode of the Dino Developer Show. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy this show, give it a follow and review of your podcast platform of choice. It's on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Reason, and Amazon Music. You can also subscribe to the RSS feed. Music is done by audionautics.com. My name is Zach, and I'll talk to you next time.